A very good morning to all of you. It's different to be really here, you know. The last two weeks I was here, but from a distance. But it's wonderful to be back uh, and be well. And I thank God to see all of you uh, being here. I take it that you are very well. Well, this was a very difficult time in the last few weeks uh, with uh, our uh, fight against the coronavirus. And of course, even if you're a pastor, you are not uh, uh, back to normal. In fact, uh, God has really sustained us and given us a good time uh, to seek him and, 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 and understand more of him. So today we want to uh, take a time to uh, expand on the theme of our year. You know, you all have uh, seen what our theme is for this year. And we want to uh, think about that subject and about what it means to us as uh, believers. When God says to the prophet Hosea, now is the time to seek the Lord, that he, may, that he will come into relationship, into intimacy with each and every one of us and uh, give us what we do not have. Because none of us is righteous. You know, the Bible tells us our righteousness is like filthy rags. Uh, but he is righteous. He's holy. He's just. He's amazing. And so we want to thank him that he receives us into his uh, fellowship, into his uh, wonderful family, the family of God, because he has made space for us. He has made room for us. Now, uh, Today, I want to speak about a subject I have entitled, God desires to live with us in love. And when I say love, I don't necessarily mean what uh, so many people think about when you hear the word love. Love is one of the most misunderstood words, okay? Uh, that's why I love to uh, put the word agape, because in, in the Greek, there are different words for love, you know? Uh, there is a word agape which is describing the love of God. So God wants to uh, dwell with us in agape love. Of course, there is filio, which is also love. It's a friendship love. There's stegios, which is also love, which is a family love. There's eros, which is a, 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 a love between a man and a woman. Uh, all these are different types of love. But God wants to live with us in agape love, okay, in harmony. Now, relationship must be built on common ground. Uh, I just heard recently, I'm sure you are aware of the same statistics, you know, the statistics which we have seen recently is that last year alone, we had, uh, I think, more than 20, 22,000 divorces. Something is not right, okay? What makes people to, you know, look forward for relationship and marriage, and of course, every, everyone does. You know, every young person is looking for relationship, relationship with meaning. You know, uh, we all look for love. This is deeply ingrained in who we are because we are creatures of the living God, okay? He made us in his own image and in his own likeness. And because this is true, we are also creatures that have a desire for love. Unfortunately, when sin came into this world, uh, you know, this love was uh, 
destroyed and we are now having a love that is far less than the agape love. Now, unfortunately, many relationships have never been built on common grounds. You know, I very often see that when I meet with young people, you know, when young people uh, come into friendship, you know, uh, uh, even plan for marriage, it's very easy to uh, talk about all kinds of different things, especially about the wedding and the lavishness of the wedding, you know, but few people are really uh, checking out whether they are standing on common ground. Okay, you can't build something on two different foundations. Okay, I remember we built a, a, a hostel at one time in one of the places where we had been uh, doing a building project. And, um, you know, the foundations were well prepared, everything was okay. But then, uh, you know, before we could go further and build, uh, it rained. And the foundations were covered with mats. And so when finally we continued building, you know, the, the builders were removing the mat from the foundation, but they were not really very careful. So one wall was actually built next to the foundation. Okay. The house or the, the hostel was built on the foundation except one end, you know, uh, uh, was having its wall built outside of the foundation. Now, at first, nobody saw it, okay. It, they were building, the house got finished, but uh, it didn't take long, and it wasn't even rainy season anymore, but very soon, we could see cracks. And of course, when there are cracks in a new house, that is very worrisome. You know, but then there were not only cracks, but you could actually see how the, the, the wall was really cracking so much because it was sinking. So we checked out what the problem was, and we found that the foundation was not there under that particular wall. It was inside, okay? They went outside. And that wall just uh, uh, settled down and cracked the whole house. So the only thing we could do is, you know, destroy that wall and rebuild. Now, this is, this is happening when we are not building on common ground. Okay, you know, relationship is something that needs to be planned, and we need to be sure that we are on common ground. Okay, this is what the Word of God tells us. Let me just read uh, a few scripture, because I think it's very important that we understand what God is trying to communicate with us today. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. The Bible says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers, okay? That means you have no common ground with them, isn't it? They are on one ground, you are on another ground. The Bible tells us those who believe, they're building on the rock, but those who are not believing, they're building on sand. So it is bound to break, okay? It can't last. So don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be, be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, 
I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. What a great promise, okay? We are the temple of the living God. But of course, you know, uh, we, we, we need to build on common ground. We need to build on the rock, the foundation that is Christ himself, as uh, we are clearly uh, taught in scripture. Amos chapter three, verse three says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Of course, it's not possible. I mean, if, if you start a journey and the next junction, uh, you turn right and your partner turns left, then the agreement is over, okay? It will not work. And I think it's very important for us to realize, you know, that God has a desire to have fellowship and relationship with us. In fact, he has called us into his own family. You know, that was his plan. Even from the very foundation of the world, his plan that was that he would create people like us in his own image and that we would be able to relate with him intimately in all eternity. Psalm 103 verse 17 says, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to be, obey his precepts. Okay, you can see that God is speaking about a common ground, okay? He speaks about a covenant. He speaks about obedience. He speaks about precepts, about rules and regulations, you know, that are, that are uh, applicable in a relationship, okay? That has nothing to do with limitation, our freedom. In fact, this is freedom when we are finding ourselves in the relationship with the living God, okay? Because then we are free of bondage, free of the devil's influence. So from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, those who respect him, those who seek his righteousness. It's with this generation and with our children's generation and our children's children's generation, as, as the Lord says. Okay, this is the desire of God. But you know, many times we think we can go into a relationship without learning the pecs, the rules, the foundation. And then we may be shocked that things are not working out for us as they should. What we must understand is that when we go into a relationship, we must learn how to enter into this relationship. You know, after this service, we have a, a class for uh, baptism and, uh, you know, discipleship. Uh, people must learn what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, you can't just say, okay, I'm here today and tomorrow you're gone. You know, that means you have not been on the foundation that really uh, God has spoken about, you know, the covenant that God has, has given us. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I've loved you. That's an amazing word. God has loved us with everlasting love, with agape love. It is not just being a fond of somebody, 
okay, oh yeah, we understand each other very well, you know, for a while everything is going fine and well, but then, uh, uh, you know, one, two, three, four years down the road, things are cracking up because we are not on the same foundation. We must understand that relationship is a responsibility. And we are responsible to learn every detail about entering into a relationship. And a lot of people today do not do that, okay? They just think, you know, marriage is an end in itself, but actually it's not. Marriage is the beginning of a life that God wants us to experience as something very exciting, and that's what it should be. And of course, God talks about marriage between him and his people. You know, very often God uses that picture between the people of Israel or the church and uh, the Lord's. In fact, the Bible tells us that Christ is the bridegroom and we are the brides. So in other words, if we want to, re uh, to, to live in a relationship that lasts, then we have to make sure that we learn that relationship. And that's why, you know, on days like this, we are taking time to open scripture and learn about the demands of the Lord. Learn about the relationship that God has given us and learn about the good things as well as the challenges and the needs that we have. You see, many times people come into a relationship in marriage and two people have got selfish desires. Yeah, that they talk about love, both of them, but what they mean with love is, I want everything from you. And if the other one comes with the same desire, I want everything from you, sooner or later, there will be a total crush. And that's what we see, you know? Relationship means sacrifice. Relationship means to be willing to compromise. And those, these are things we, we need to, to learn. Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 11, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. There's a yoke to be carried, okay? That means there's sacrifice. It's not just me, myself, and I who is important in a relationship, otherwise I don't need to go into a relationship. I better stay single, I better stay alone. In a relationship, it's we, us. How can we further our relationship and build our intimacy? That's what is important. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, okay? And if you learn, that means you change. I mean, imagine, you send the child to school from grade one to grade 12, and uh, this child is learning and becoming even an, a teenager and an adult, but he's not changing. He's still behaving like a baby. Then the whole thing was in vain, isn't it? The whole school process was in vain because learning means changing, okay? And we know how excited children are when they go to school and they begin to read. You know how excited they are. They come home and they take the newspaper and they, they begin to reading to their parents. It shows us there is change, isn't it? In the same way, 
it must be in our lives. You know, when we hear from the Lord, when, we, when he speaks into our lives, when we see the good things that he's doing for us, his love which is overflowing our hearts and lives, then we need to see a change. A change must be there. So Jesus says, come and learn from me, for I am learnable and humble in heart. And what Jesus really means is that, you know, as we learn from him, we become as gentle as he is. We become as humble in heart as he is. Okay? We are not boasting. And you know, to, to the problem today is that in, 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 in marriage and in relationships, very, very often, everybody wants to be right. Now, you can't build a relationship if both people want to be right. Both people must be willing to compromise. Both people must be willing to take a yoke. Both people must be learning to, to carry the yoke. Okay? And to change, learning and changing. And I think this is very often uh, lacking in our world today. So God calls us together as a family that is built on the work of our Lord Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary and at everything that he did while he was here on earth. So in other words, when we come to Jesus, we accept a new operating system, okay? We all know what an operating system is, okay? Those of us who are working with computers on a regular basis, we know an operating system is giving you the opportunity to do what you're doing on a computer. If there's no operating system, no software, no other software will run on it. Okay, so if you have Windows, then you have to have Windows programs. If you have uh, Mac, then you have to have Mac programs in order to run it. Okay, if you have Linux, you have to have Linux programs in order to run them. The operating system is important. Now when we come into this world, we are born into this world under the operating system of this world, the operating system of sin and unrighteousness. Even if we are born into a Christian home, doesn't matter. And we have to learn <clears throat> to do away with the old operating system and be able to change to the new operating system. The operating system of God is an operating system of righteousness and justice. The Bible says the righteousness and justice are the pillar of his throne, okay? His operating system is love. In fact, when we are using all these different words like grace, kindness, goodness, righteousness, justice, love, you know, there are different shades of that operating system that is found in God because God is amazing. You know, his nature is love. That is who he is. He's not just desiring love, he is love. And you know, this is what we must learn. We must become love ourselves. We must not just try to get love from others, but we must be love ourselves. So true love operates in righteousness and justice. And I'll just look at many of the relationships, many of the marriages that you see. You see, there is neither righteousness nor justice. And no wonder will that relationship not be able to withstand the onslaughts of this world, the onslaughts of evil 
in their lives. We need to have common ground. We need to stand upon the word of God because only the word of God is our strong foundation. God created us for intimacy with himself. That was at the core of his plan from the very beginning and has never changed and it will not change. So he wants to relate to each and every one of us in love, that agape love. Okay, that is his nature. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that we can learn a lot from those who have gone before us. Let me just read from Isaiah chapter 51 verse 1. Listen to me, who, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Okay, so God is not speaking everything to everybody. Okay. Yes, it speaks to the sinners, but this is an address to people who are pursuing the operating system of God, who are pursuing righteousness, okay? God says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and seek the Lord. You know, there are certain things you cannot find. You will not accidentally, uh, you know, stumble over a bar of gold in the street. It doesn't happen. Or has it ever happened to anyone here? Have you heard of anybody who has such, had, had, had such an experience? It doesn't happen. You know, certain things are not there. If you want gold, you have to look for it. You have to dig for it. You have to find it. Okay? We know that there is a lot of gold mining now in Zambia. There's a gold rush in this nation. Well, praise the Lord. Hopefully, a lot of people find it, and hopefully they are not selfish, but they are making this this nation grow, okay? So you cannot find good things unless you seek them, you look for them, you search for them. And that's what the Bible is saying. That's what God is saying. He says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. Pursuing, you know, there is a, there is a force behind it. There's a desire behind it. You don't pursue without, without an, an interest, okay? And God says, look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah, who gave you birth. <clears throat> when I called him, he was but one. And I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins he will make her desires like Eden. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of God. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. The law will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. Now that's a very interesting scripture. You know, God is actually, is actually telling us how we can be able to find an example to emulate, okay? He tells the people of Israel who could not look back to Jesus like we can today. He says, go and look back to the one who brought you into being, Abraham. And, and, and God calls him uh, the rock from which 
they were cut and the quarry from which they were hewn. Very interesting. You see, Abraham was a person who heard the voice of God at one time in his life. And I believe a lot of people have heard the voice of God. In fact, the Bible tells us that everyone at one time or the other will hear the voice of God. Okay? God speaks to everyone. But unfortunately, not everyone is responding. You know, we hear these things and we quickly get busy with the things that, that are around us. But Abraham was somebody who not only heard, but who stopped doing what he was doing and took time to listen. He took time to cultivate a relationship with his gods. Okay, he took time to, to develop faith in God. Okay, and we all know that the Bible tells us that it is impossible to believe, to, to, to please God without faith. Okay? All of us, we need that. So Abraham, just like Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us, Abraham developed faith, and that means he was sure of what he hoped for and certain what he did not see yet because God promised him. Okay, God promised him. And God was pleased with him. He developed a relationship with God. Now, Abraham was a human being just like us. He was not perfect. He made mistakes. But you know, God was not so worried about those mistakes. God was not so worried about uh, the, the, the occasional uh, falling of Abraham, just like he's not so much concerned with you when things may not always work out the first time, okay? We are not yet in perfection, but we are you know, we are reaching out, like Paul says, we are, we are stretching ourselves forward to what God wants us to be. The people who never made the mistake, somebody said, or the person who never makes a mistake is the one who doesn't do anything. And that's a big mistake as well. <laughs> okay. So we, we need to learn to, to walk. You know, I mean, when, when we were learning to walk, not one of us was walking from one day to another. Am I right? We are walking and we are falling. In fact, we are not even walking, we are just trying to, to find our feet. Okay? And we human beings, we take time to walk, much longer than animals do. I mean, if you look at an animal, you know, I grew up in, on a farm, you know, and uh, I was there many, many times when uh, we had, uh, you know, seen the birth of a calf. And, you know, a calf is barely born and it wants to begin to walk. And actually, it, it, will, it will try, it will fall, but within a, a day, that calf will stand. That calf will begin to, to walk. Very amazing, isn't it? With us human beings, it takes much longer, okay? I don't know whether you have asked your mother how long it took you to, to walk. Maybe you know it from your children, how much time has passed from them to begin uh, trying to crawl and walk uh, until finally they were able to, to master. It takes time. But if you don't take a first step, you will never walk. If you're not willing 
to, to fall. Then you will never master the art of walking, isn't it? And that's what life is all about, you know? So God is not worried if you fall. You know, the Bible tells us a righteous man may fall seven times, but he will always get up again. And that's what counts at the end of the day. Okay, so we are learning. Everything in our life is a learning process. Everything that we are going through is teaching us a lesson. And we should learn the lessons that God is teaching us because they're very important for our lives. So let's understand true love operates in righteousness and justice. That's the operating system of God. Okay? And don't forget, God wants us to really live by that operating system, and that means that we should become holy as he is holy. Let me just take you to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. <clears throat> 1 Peter 1, 13, the Bible says, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I'm holy. Okay, I know what many of you are thinking now. How is it possible as a human being to be holy? You know, we, we must understand that God has given us a positional righteousness. And the position that God has given to us is that we are holy and righteous in him. You know, in reality, you may still stumble and fall, but in him, he looks at you as finished. He looks at you through Christ. And when he looks at you through Christ, whom you have accepted as your Savior and Lord, with whom you have gone into a covenant, then he will be able to see you as completed. And that's the wonderful thing. So God will never say, why again? Why again? You know? I mean, you, you know all the, the blames that we have received, that you have received uh, when, when something is going wrong. And of course, when we make a mistake, and I'm not talking about making deliberate mistakes, deliberately living in sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as human beings, just like a, a child learning to walk. You know? The falling is part of the learning, okay? It's part of the experience to finally become stable on our feet and be able to make it. And God says, you know, look at Abraham. He was a human being. Yes, he was just like us. He made mistakes. In fact, he made sometimes the same mistake repeatedly, okay? Just that you shouldn't think it's, you know, the... the the, the life with God is only when you are not making mistakes anymore. No, God was patient with Abraham. But one thing that Abraham, you know, uh, had was a desire for that, that relationship with his God. He developed that relationship with God. You know, at one time when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, uh, he talked about, about Abraham. You know, they claimed we are, we are sons of Abraham. And, 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 and Jesus said, no, you're not sons of Abraham. Because if you were sons of Abraham, you would do what Abraham did. And Abraham loved me, okay? Abraham had the relationship with God, 
Okay, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. That's what Jesus was saying. So sometimes we may think that we are religious enough, but you know, we, we, God doesn't want religion. He has not brought us a religion. Religion is something completely different. We are not following a religion. You know, sometimes when people ask me, what religion are you following? I say, none. Because I'm not following a religion. I'm following Christ. And Christ is not a religion. Christ is a person. Christ is a savior, a loving savior. So clearly, God has an agenda for our lives, a plan for our relationship, for today and for eternity. You know, we are not uh, belonging to those people who are only ever talking about the future and heaven, you know. No, we are talking about walking with Christ today, okay? Today, tomorrow, day after tomorrow, every day, until finally we, we will be uh, graduating to be in the... You see, we need to live together with him. We need to agree with him. That's why we need to study his word. That's why we need to pursue righteousness as the Bible is talking about. That's why we need to seek the Lord. Okay? Very important. And so we must live in that agreement, continuous agreement with our Lord, the righteous and holy God. And yes, we can live with him because he has paid for our wrongdoing. He has laid down his life for our sin and unrighteousness. And he has made us righteous, just, and holy. So Abraham became intimate with God, and God wants us to become intimate with him. We should consider the life of Abraham and all the heroes of faith. Uh, we should consider the life of Sarah, you know, has given birth to the nation of Israel. And, you know, we learn so much from them. Abraham was always looking forward to the city whose designer and builder is God. Yes, he lived in tents. He was going from one place to another, but his eyes were definitely not on the today only. Now, Abraham was a very, very successful businessman. You know, the Bible tells us that Abraham was very rich. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with being rich. But the, rich, the riches did not hinder him to pursue his destiny. The problem is that today there are a lot of people who become a little rich, you know, I don't know what you call rich anyway, you know. Some people think they are rich when they have uh, 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 10 kwacha more than yesterday, you know, or, or 1,000 kwacha more than, than last week. Uh, or if they are millionaire or billionaire, you know, they think then they are rich. The question is not what you have. Abraham was more rich than I think any one of us today. Okay? But it did not hinder him to pursue his life with God. To pursue that intimate relationship with his father in heaven. It did not hinder him to seek the operating system and to live by the operating system of his God. That's an amazing thing. And I think we need to learn. So as I read earlier on, you know, <clears throat> how can two people walk together unless they have agreed upon, okay, they have agreed on which direction they are walking. They have agreed on the value system they're pursuing. And if they haven't agreed on the value system or the, on the operating system, then things will not work well. Okay.
There is no, there is no transfer between the operating system of this world and the operating system of God. You know, of course, today when you have a computer and you are on Windows and you write your, your Word document, you can easy, even send it to the Mac system or the Linux system and it can still read the same file. But that is not possible between the operating system of this world and the operating system of God. These are completely different systems altogether. Okay? So God is encouraging us to pursue righteousness, pursue his relationship, you know, the love relationship, the intimacy with our God. Revelation chapter 12, 22 verse 12 says, let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Okay, God is not forcing anybody. But let him who is doing right continue to do so. Okay? It's very important that we learn to do that. You can actually read that in Revelation 22, verse 12, okay? Or 11, let him who does wrong continue to do wrong, okay? This is the end of, of, of uh, uh, the book of Revelation when God has said everything he wanted to say to us, when he got laid out his whole plan to us. That's when he says, those who don't want, let them continue to do what they're doing. They will have to answer at one time. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. But let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. You see, there will always be a rift between God's world and the world of darkness. And that's why God says you cannot pull on the same yoke, yoke with unbelievers. It's impossible because there's a rift. So God challenges us to do what is right. You see, God has not just invited us to come for a casual encounter with him, but he has invited us into a covenant relationship. You know, we are going sometimes on visits. We may visit uh, landmarks like uh, Victoria Falls, or we may go into different places to see different amazing uh, sites. Uh, that's okay. You know, you have a casual uh, visit and you, you um, admire what is there. But when you enter into a relationship, you can't be casual about it. You must really enter into covenant. And you know, that's why we must understand marriage is a covenant. Now, if we are not standing on the same ground with each other as marriage partner, then that relationship is bound to fail. You know, some of us, we got married at a time when we didn't really know the Lord, and we may follow the Lord and the other one will not follow and we see it can't work. We must be on the same ground. God's covenant is for eternity sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus expects our commitment. That's why he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, that's commitment. That's sacrifice. And yet Jesus says, my yoke is easy. 
You know, when you are really in love with one another, yes, even if you are, if you are making a sacrifice for your beloved, it's actually easier. You know, sometimes I wonder how people are managing to live together, you know, by being in a tug of war constantly. Meanwhile, marriage is given to us to be a blessing, you know. I'm not saying that in marriage everything is bliss and everything will fall into uh, place by itself. No, marriage is work. And marriage will always be what you make it to be, okay? It's hard work. But I enjoy my marriage. It's, it's beautiful. It's harmonious. It's loving. And whatever sacrifice I have, to, I have to take in order to continue on that course, I will gladly do it because actually it is giving me a great reward. Okay? I thank God for my wife because she stands with me Whatever, whatever the challenge may be, she has been and she is, and she will continue to do so. And the same is true for me. I don't mind, you know, like in the time when we were in quarantine, you know, uh, we, we, we washed the dishes together, okay? It's not too low for me to go in the kitchen and help my wife, because I love her. Why should she do all the job and me, I'm just watching TV or whatever, you know? So men, what are you doing? You know, are, are you taking the yoke? Are you willing to sacrifice? And you know, the, the Bible tells us the yoke of Christ is easy, and the same is true in marriage. If you take the yoke, you will get something back that is beautiful, that is sweet. Okay? That's what the, the Lord desires. So don't take things easy and for granted, you know? Don't be somebody who wants to be served all the time, but be a servant. In fact, the Bible tells us the one who wants to be great must be the servant of all. And the example that Jesus has given us is exactly that, that he became the servant of all of mankind, those who pursue righteousness and those who don't. Because Jesus did not just die for a few select people, he died for everyone. Whether they will accept his salvation, whether they will walk with him, that's up to their own choice. But thank God, Christ has come to give us life. And he is doing this in our lives, if only we give him the opportunity to do so. So remember, we must learn and we must change. Just like Jesus says, learn from me, and who is learning is changing, okay? Jesus is gentle and humble in heart, and when we walk with Christ, we will become like that. So it's very easy when you are walking with somebody just for a short distance, you very easily find out whether this person is gentle and humble in heart or not, okay? Especially if accidentally you, you step on his toe or her toe, <laughs> okay? If you want to know the nature of a, of a, of a person, you know, uh, step on their toes. And I'm not saying you should do that deliberately, you know? But then you see the nature, you see what is coming out. Whether you see somebody says, no, don't worry, it's okay. God bless you. Or whether say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with you. 
You know, Jesus was nailed to the cross. And he didn't say, okay, wait, wait until, until I come back because I'm coming. I'll deal with you. No, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And you know, this is the nature of Christ. That's what we need to learn. We need to be like him. We are destined for that eternal covenant that has begun at a time when we came to accept our Lord or when God has, let me say, has taken us into his family. You know, sometimes we say we have accepted Jesus as our Savior and Lord, but actually it's him who has accepted us as sinner. Isn't it? We have just uh, agreed and have not run away from it. And that's a good thing. Okay? Because Jesus is looking for everyone. Jesus is reaching out for everyone. Every human being is beloved by the Lord. Every human being was made with a good purpose in mind. But, you know, God gives us the, the freedom to choose, even if it means our death. Because you can't force somebody into a love relationship. That's impossible. The Bible says we are the temple of the living God in which he lives now and forever. Amen? And that's the wonderful thing. God is, 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 is really desiring to live in us forever. Now the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes again, you know, uh, that is now Revelation 2012, I guess. I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. Okay? And I will give everyone according to their deeds. He's coming. Okay? And he's not just coming with empty hands. Actually, he's coming to give us a reward. And the greatest reward that Christ can give us is he himself. Okay? And he doesn't come alone, but he comes with all the blessings, with all the streams of living water, with anything you can imagine. You know, that's why the first sermon that Jesus was, was giving to the people of Israel was the Sermon of the Mount, or the Beatitudes, as we call them. And Jesus said, blessed are those, okay, who are hungry. Blessed are those. You know, every, every uh, Beatitude begins with the with the, en the, the, the entrance of blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. So you can be blessed. It's your choice. Seek the Lord. Be hungry for God and his righteousness. And God will give you. Totally amazing. So we find deep, deep satisfaction in Christ, in this relationship, in this intimacy that God is giving us for free. You know, he, he is not making it, making it impossible for us to walk with him. He makes it very simple on the other hand. You know, if you look at the Beatitudes, maybe we can just turn there quickly in Matthews. Okay. It's so easy to see how we can be blessed. Okay. But it's our choice. Matthew 5, 
chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, no one wants to be poor, but actually you must be poor in spirit so that God can fill you more. Okay? And you are blessed if you are not filled with your own pride, with your own self-righteousness. But if you are remaining hungry before God so that he can fill you, and he will. Okay? Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, we don't want to mourn because mourning means we have lost isn't it? But actually there are things in our lives that we must lose. That we must lay down. That we must separate ourselves from. And that means we, we mourn. Sometimes it's a very painful exercise and we should learn to mourn. And the Lord says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. In fact, whatever you give away, whatever you divide from your life because it is unrighteous, God will reward you with much more than you can imagine. Blessed are the meek. Okay, it doesn't say blessed are the weak. Meekness and weakness are mutually exclusive. Okay? Meekness means strength. Jesus was the most meek person on the face of the earth, but he was also the strongest. Okay? And the Bible says blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. I'm sure you're following the news right now. There are 100,000 troops on the border of one country to another country, and there's threats of war, you know, and people are trying to make noise with their, with their weaponry. Now they're going into, uh, into maneuvers uh, in, in different places to ensure their power. But uh, I've got good news for you. Those are not going to inherit the earth. Even if they're stealing land from their neighbor, they are not going to inherit the earth. The, the people who inherit the earth are the meek. You know, and who was the most meek is Christ. And he will be the ruler of this earth. Okay? He is in charge. So, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay? And this is our theme for this year. You know, God wants to come to us and shower us with righteousness. But we need to have a hunger for it. If we don't want it, he won't, he won't shower us with that righteousness. You know, I enjoy a shower every day. Okay? Especially do I enjoy a shower when I've been sweating the whole day. When I feel like, you know, there is, there is so much that needs to be washed off, isn't it? It's beautiful to, to stand under fresh water and, 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 and wash all the, the sweat and all the dirt away. And you know, that's exactly what God wants to give us as a great experience in our life. He wants to continuously shower us with his righteousness. Now, I don't want to continue here. We're coming back to that in the future. But what we are seeing is that God has a desire to bless us. When we are in a relationship with him, we will be blessed. Even if we take the yoke of Christ, it is easy. 
Okay, that's what Jesus said, it's easy. Actually, you're saying you're taking a burden, but actually, you're not taking a burden, you're actually receiving a blessing as a result of it. So our reward is coming. Just like Jesus said, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to their deeds. Okay? So let us be people who do the right thing. You know, you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You seek the righteousness. You pursue the righteousness of God. You seek the Lord. And God will reward us greatly. In these scriptures we have been reading, we have seen so many different wonderful things. And uh, Isaiah 51 verse, verse uh, 3, the Bible says, The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people. Hear me my nation. The law will go out from me. My justice will become the light to the nations. There is so much treasure, so much reward waiting for all of us. So brothers and sisters, let us come to him like Hebrews 12:22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands, the angels, you know, the thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, a judge of all men, the spirits, to the spirits of the righteous, made, men made perfect. Jesus, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Finally, Isaiah 51 verse 11 says, the ransom of the Lord will return. Okay? They will come into the very presence of the Lord. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and singing will flee away. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. You know, no more heaviness, weariness, troubles. But you can take it off like an old garment and it will be a thing of the past. From everlasting to everlasting, his love is with you. His love is with us. His church, the body of Christ. From everlasting to everlasting, God is seeking to do good to each and every one of us. Isn't that powerful? God has a reward for all those who respond to him, who follow his invitation, not just for a casual visit, but for intimate relationship. And this is what we seek. And this is why this year, we want to really take time to seek the Lord. Not casually come and visit him on Sunday morning for a few minutes and then say bye until next week. No, but seek him. Seek to go into a deeper relationship. Marriage is not a relationship that you live for an hour in a week 
and the rest of the, of the time you are, you are somewhere gone. No, marriage is a day-to-day -day intimate relationship. And that's what God desires, that we seek that kind of intimacy with our God, that relationship that we build from strength to strength. That's why we want to take the word of God seriously when he tells us this is the time to seek the Lord. Because he wants to come and he wants to shower us with righteousness. May God bless you. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that you have invited us to come into covenant with you. We thank you, Lord, for all the wonderful things that you have done for us and that you continue to do for us consistently. You are good. Not once in a while, but you are good all the time. Lord, your love is poured out into our hearts. If you only make room for that love in our hearts. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for these wonderful words that you have given to us today. Lord, we desire to build that relationship. We, we desire, Lord, to be on common ground with you and see the many good things that you have prepared for us become reality in our daily living. Lord, I pray that we may have that desire to seek you. We may pursue righteousness and justice so that, Lord, you can shower us with that righteousness in our life. Lord, I declare a blessing upon each and every one who is here today. I declare your blessings upon all of the people who have listened today. And I pray, Lord, let it not end with listening, but let it let there be a next step of pursuing, pursuing righteousness, learning and changing. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And may, be, may it be reverberating in our hearts and lives, not only throughout today and this week, but throughout this year. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.